Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm talking with my new friend, Veronica Cisneros. Veronica is based in California. And um, if you have a passion or are curious about um, how a licensed and family therapist, how, how someone who grew up, let's say, with a father who is a gang leader, how that person then becomes a licensed and family therapist and works with families and couples um, and specifically women, I wanna say, to become empowered and unapologetic in how they um, show up in the world. Uh, you're gonna wanna listen to this story. She is uh, an interesting lady and I, and I get the sense this woman is not afraid of anything. Uh, and I, I don't know, I'm just super drawn to that. And so I've really enjoyed chatting with her and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello friends. Welcome to season two of the Broken Open podcast. I'm Maureen Towns, author, speaker, expert on finding calm amidst chaos of helping those that you love with mental health and addictions issues. If you like what you hear on this podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you're the first to know when new episodes are released and visit maureentowns.com to get in touch, stay current on our programs, Footsteps for Families and Freedom from Intergenerational Trauma, as well as updates on the book, which has just been released called broken open. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, Veronica, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be here. I've had you on my podcast and it was a blast. I'm like, okay, we're going to totally be friends. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We've had two conversations that I felt like we could just keep going. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'm thrilled that you're uh, willing to come on here today. So you are a registered, licensed family therapist. Tell me about that. Where, like, how did that become a thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. So growing up, um, I've always been that go-to person. Like people have problems and they would come up to me and, okay, Veronica, okay, so this is what it looks like. And it, it was so much fun to be that go-to person until I didn't want to be that go-to person because I wasn't feeling it anymore. Yeah. Um, so back in high school, I was introduced to this program. It was called Upward Bound. Amazing program. It was for mm -hmm. underprivileged kids um, that wanted, that had this goal to attend, you know, had, had this future goal to attend college, but didn't have the background nor the, the, um, the setting the families didn't graduate from high school. Yeah. So one of their exercises, I'll never forget it. One of their exercises was to stand up and introduce your future self. So you're mm. going to introduce yourself as your future self. And I remember like, there, there's like so many kids, cause there's kids from all, you know, different high schools. So there's like about, you know, 10 or 15 high schools with seniors, you know, that all were in this program. Mm -hmm. So I'm waiting for it to be my turn. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to say? You know, are people going to laugh and all of these insecurities? Because it, it didn't seem possible. Like, I didn't think it was possible for me to actually achieve this goal. Yeah. 
And I remember it was my turn and I was like, oh shit. And the girl next to me, she came up with something really good. And I was like, how am I going to beat that? You know, I can't say I'm going to be a lawyer because that doesn't even sit right with me. So I stood up and I did it. I, you know, I said, hi, my name is Veronica. I own my own private practice and I'm a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Totally said it, said it. And then I wanted to immediately sit down and like bury my head in my whatever sweater I was wearing and like just like not have anybody look at me. But I remember when I did it, it was like, wait a minute, this can actually happen. Yeah. I'm I'm here at UCSD in a college in 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 a college classroom. Mm-hmm. Like this feels good. It feels right. And so yeah, I you know, I decided, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this. And I ended up being in the program for all four years. Wow. And it was like, okay, this is totally possible. Mm-hmm. It just somebody just had to introduce this to me. What a cool concept to introduce mm-hmm. your future self. Yeah. And here I am. Hey, <laughs> except for I own a group practice. So it went from me being by myself to hiring and training other clinicians to mm. do what I do. Isn't that crazy? That is really cool. I love that, uh, that question. And so you're in California mm-hmm. and you own a group practice. Yep. And you practice as well. And you, you had me on your show, which is called empowered and authentic. Unapologetic. And you, unapologetic. Sorry. Yep. No, oh, you're sorry. good. You're good. So <laughs> when you, like, I was really curious, you have clearly, like when I look at your, your publicity materials and your Instagram and your Facebook, you have a real passion mm-hmm. for empowering women. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting the unapologetic piece comes in because there's a little bit of attitude there. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of attitude. And, uh, you know, I can pick up on that when we're chatting. You know, you're a little bit like, don't mess with me. Yeah, no, don't do it. And you're... <laughs> <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. And there's, there is a real tone of, um, you know, when you talk about the work that you do, you sound very, very careful you know, but you also don't mind hard truths. Yeah. Yeah. Where's like to to help fill me in. Where does this come from? This, this bit of chippy, you got a bit of chippy, a bit of like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, a messy side, a street side. Tell me about that. Where do you, where does this come from? So growing up, um, my dad was like a hardcore gang member, like hardcore next Mm -hmm. level, like was like the, 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 one of the creators. Um, so I grew up with, we never grew up in the barrio. We never grew up in the, in the, um, in the gang per se, but in the neighborhood, that's yeah. what we call it, in the neighborhood. We never grew up in the neighborhood. Um, but we knew, we knew who my dad was. We knew he was well-respected. Um, my mother though, my mother would do everything in her power. She put us in pageants. We were in commercials. Mm. I mean, baton, we were in all of these things. She would do whatever she could to kind of mask that part. My dad also was a heroin addict mm-hmm. and an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up, I kind of watched that play out. You know, I watched my mom, she's very codependent, very, very mm. codependent, you know, and I, and I say that, I say that because, you know, that's the term. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, there was this also this other side to her that it was like, well, shit, we don't have any money and dad didn't come back home today. So I'm going to clean houses or I'm going to go ahead and go to the 7-Eleven, you know, at the corner mm-hmm. and we're going to sell Kenny. 
or my mom's, you know, all of a sudden my mom's like, you know, she's, she's delivering newspapers. Mm -hmm. And so there we are in the middle of the night delivering newspapers after we spent all night looking for my dad, because mm -hmm. we had to find him so he can go to work the next morning. He was the sole mm -hmm. pro provider. Mm -hmm. And so kind of watching this, these dynamics, you know, and then there was one point where, you know, our house was bugged. And so, you know, we couldn't say certain things, even though we knew certain things. And it was just like, what the hell is going on? Mm. And I mean, we didn't, as a kid, you don't really know a lot, yeah. but it was just all of these things, all of these secrets. And I knew going, I, I knew growing up, okay, my dad's this hardcore gang member. Nobody messes with him. Mm -hmm. And my mom is doing everything she can to hold the family together. I don't want to be a hardcore gang member. And I don't want to compromise myself. So what the hell do I do? And where do I, mm -hmm. who's going to teach me? Mm -hmm. So I remember just grabbing bits and pieces from my professors mm -hmm. or my, my, my high school teachers. I remember grabbing bits and pieces of them, of who I wanted to be, who, how I was going to invent myself. Mm -hmm. And also, like I mentioned to you, the last time you and I spoke, one thing my dad taught me was don't let anybody mess with you. Mm -hmm. Like, don't, don't you know, make sure you know what you're worth and make sure you're, um, make sure it shows. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I was growing up. It was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and challenge and then go ahead and try to figure out and educate myself. So it was like a whole cluster of all of these life lessons mm -hmm. and then me trying to make sense of all of it. Yeah. A lot of gifts in, in that, Oh, yes. you know, like that don't, don't let yourself get pushed around. Mm -hmm. You you knew the world wasn't necessarily a safe place. You oh, knew yeah. that, yeah, that there were things there that were dangerous that, um, mm -hmm. and that you needed to be probably, and you probably pretty observant. Like you probably were pretty watchful, I would think. Learn to read the room, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, growing up, I knew how to read people <laughs> who would say, who is not safe. Yes. Uh, right. Like it's like, okay, that homeboy over there. Yeah. He looks like he's trustworthy, but is he really, you know, yeah. or just even friends. Um, that was a really, really great life lesson and helped me in my private practice with, with helping others. Yeah. However, I also had to work at it because everybody was a suspect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Trust doesn't come uh, yeah. easy for people who grow up, you know, not trusting. Yep. Right. Yep. So I had to work on that and I had to realize, wait a minute, a lot of these protective barriers are for people who aren't even like they have no control over you. Mm -hmm. So really learning and practicing how to hold back and refrain from um, assessing people mm -hmm. and going in with being a little bit more vulnerable and trusting, which is yeah, that's goes right. against everything I learned. Well, for sure. I mean, you walk into a room, you probably have a bit of a prove it attitude, right? Like, yeah. I, I relate. I relate to that for sure. I've been told that. <laughs> this is why we get along so well. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I passed some sort of test being your friend, you know, like uh, people have said that before. <laughs> like, oh God, sorry. Um, so uh, are you ready for the broken open question? Let's do it. Okay. Do it. So tell me about a time or take us to a time when you experienced some adversity in your life and you've told us a bit, but some adversity in your life that at the time felt like the end of the world that in hindsight was a real gift. Oh gosh, girl. So I've been thinking about this like forever. Mm. Um, and there's so many, there's so <laughs> many times where it's like, dude, really? Like there's, there's no way I'm coming back from this. Um, 
one of the ones that, that just pops out is my husband and I, we were literally one month away from divorce. So mm-hmm. growing up, not, not being vulnerable, not trusting anybody, my husband and I got married. Um, I, I didn't believe that he loved me. Like he would do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So when we would get in arguments and those things would stop, I didn't know how to respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I do, I kick him out. Mm-hmm. I would kick him out or I would pack up all my stuff and say I was moving. Mm-hmm. I was leaving him. I did, Maureen, I hate to say this, but I did this so much, so yeah. much that I started to get smart. Well, somewhat smart. Um, still stupid, but I would literally pack my shoes because I, I did it so often. And it was like, okay, you know, you have to unpack all this stuff, refold it, hang it up. Yeah. But it was, I wanted to see the rise in him. I wanted to see the pain. I wanted to see the love that I felt I was missing when we were arguing. When my mom and dad would argue, my dad would leave. My mm. dad would also. My mom would go into shutdown mode mm. and then she would take it out on us. Mm. I don't want to do any, I don't want to, I don't want to cheat, but my dad has the higher, the higher, you know, the higher end where he gets to leave, mm-hmm. you know, and he looks like the strong one. So I'm going to do what he's doing. If I have to pick one. <laughs> yep. And right. And <laughs> I didn't re- what I didn't realize was, holy moly, you are setting your relationship up for divorce. Yeah. If there was any way to set your relationship up for divorce, I was like, if there was anybody that you needed to refer to, it was me. It was how to totally end a marriage me. and it, how to end a marriage. Three, yeah. Three moves. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I remember when I was served with divorce papers, we were still talking and, um, it was like, holy shit, this is really happening. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that the divorce was entirely, or the, the path towards divorce. We've been now married for, we're going on 22 years, Yeah. but I'm not going to say it was hundred percent my fault. I'm not going to say that. Cause it wasn't, he had his end. However, he's not here to explain anything. So I'm going to go with mine. Right. For me, it was like, you won't let anybody in and allow anybody to love you. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And I, everybody was a suspect couldn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. My husband's attempting to give me this unconditional love and I'm criticizing it. And I'm, I couldn't handle emotions to save my life. Mm-hmm. If I felt a certain way, I wanted to avoid it, put it in a box and pack it up away, compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that with this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we had just had our daughter, Aaliyah. She's 18 now. At the time though, she, so October. So she was born in August. I was served with divorce papers around that time. Wow. And all my friends, all of my family, like they seen us as the it couple, like we were amazing. So I wasn't for damn sure going to tell them you had served me with divorce papers. When I did though, it was met with so, what did you do? What did you oh, do? Okay. You did, it. you did it. Um, you did this, you did this to yourself. And I remember thinking there is no way in how I'm coming back from this. No way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm about to lose my family and my daughter's not going to have her father as, you know, an active, active dad. And how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Maureen. Then I remembered one time when I, I finally picked myself up and um, ended up going back to school. 
mm-hmm. and ended up getting a job. I was living in San Diego on, in base housing. My husband was a Marine. Um, and I would drive from San Diego to Escondido. My mom would watch her. And then I worked in, in Oceanside. And then I went to school in Cal State San Marcos. But I would do that every day. 10.30 at night on my way home, just picked up Aaliyah. Willie called me. And I remember wanting so badly to pick it up because those were the times where I had some level of hope that we were going to get back together. Even though divorce papers are filed, even though we had just met with their attorneys, like everything. And every single time he called, it would be my, my form of hope of, oh, we're going to get back together. And if I would give him really good sex, like we'd really be back together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized that day, like, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm. I don't want to do it. I don't want to compromise myself anymore. Mm. So I didn't finally ended up changing my number, telling him, if you want to be with Aaliyah, no problem. Knock yourself out. You have my mom's number. You can coordinate whatever dates, not keep her from you. I didn't work on my own shit though mm-hmm. and figure out who I am. So that would be one of those times where, yeah, I felt like there was no way I was going to come back from it. And I am so thankful I did because there is no way in hell I'd be able to be, be real and authentic and myself and even understand other people's pain mm-hmm. unless I had endured and reflected and and went through the amount of pain I had went through yeah sounds like your version of broken open really I mean Heck yeah and you wouldn't have changed unless you had to oh exactly right exactly and uh, that's funny how that works isn't it like yeah you know until this path is so awful I I don't this one's too much work until this one's worse, you know? Yep. So I hear that. Yep. And so you, the divorce didn't go through, obviously you did some work on yourself, you know, everything and, and things started to come around before the divorce happened and you're back on track. Yeah. Um, it's not that simple, but yeah. Yeah. He ended up coming back. We had just, we just received a notice saying, giving our court date on when everything was going to be official. Wow. It was a month away. Wow. He came home and I was like, eh, I already done all kinds of work on myself. I don't know if I want you back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so whole and complete now. I don't know if I need you anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wild. And and good for you for recognizing that you needed to work on yourself because what I tend to see in people is, you know, and and I'm sure you do too, uh, the acknowledgement, I need to find a different partner (laughs) <laughs> it's different than that so that I don't have that problem again. And yet the same pattern keeps repeating over and over. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've done some work on um, family trauma and attachment theory. Yeah. And so what I found most interesting in that, and I, I relate to what you're saying, you know, you, you went with your dad's way of being because it was strong and mm-hmm. you didn't want to be weak. So you went with strong and I did the same thing. Um, and what I learned was, you know, you hear so much about you tend, you married your father, you married your father. Well, no, mm-hmm. you didn't actually. I married my mother. Yes. So yes. what you do and what we all tend to do is look for in a partner, what we didn't get from our mother. Yep. Yep. And then get yeah. resentful that our partner can't heal those wounds yes. <laughs> and we get resentful of them for the same thing that we resent our mother for. Yes. Beautiful, vicious Isn't cycle. It's a beautiful cycle <laughs> that we're in. And so you do quite a, wor- a bit of work with couples. Mm-hmm. How, how do you explain all of this? And how do you help people break to break that pattern? One of my favorite exercises that I do for all couples. So this will be 
after the initial assessment phase. I'll ask them, you know, if your mom was married to his dad, tell me what the relationship would look like. I want to know what their finances will look like, what their sex life looks like. I want to know what their arguments look like. I want to know how they come back from an argument. I want everything. Mm. Tell me everything. I want you to go ahead and grab a pen and paper and write it all down. Would their relationship work? Who would cheat? Who would leave? Um, who would distance themselves? How would they celebrate each other, support one another? Mm. What would religion and how would culture come in between? Then I do the other. If your dad was married to her mom, what would it look like? I don't know if I reverse that, but I have them do that exercise. I have all of my clients do that exercise. And one thing that I love about that exercise, totally made it up. One thing that I love about that exercise is it helps the couple see that, wait a minute, it's not really you that I'm, I'm pissed off at. It's not you that I really resent. I resent the fact that I wasn't taught. I wasn't taught mm. oh, what a healthy marriage looks like. Mm. And my parents didn't know either. Yeah, yeah. So Can't there's more grace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's so much more grace and the couple end up looking at each other so much differently. Like you see it, you see it right there. And this yeah. is usually our third session, but you see the compassion and you see this level of understanding that they refuse to give themselves, mm -hmm. you know, or give each other Yeah, this level of understanding. And it's like, ah, mm -hmm. I get it. It's not you. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah. It's the lack of tools you've had. Yeah. And they just start laughing and, you know, there's no way my dad would put up with your mom's shit, you know, and I can't imagine my dad sleeping with your mom, you know, but it's like, if they, and my, la my, my final question to them is if they, if they wouldn't work out, what the hell makes you think you guys were equipped to work out? Yeah. Right. It's not yours. It's lack of skill. I'm a teacher. Yeah. You will. Isn't that interesting? It's just like you say, such empathy and compassion, right? Yes. Um, yes. You know, you, of course you're that way. Of course I'm this way. Of course this <laughs> is how this works out. I'm curious though, if we all, if we're all marrying our mothers, let's say, mm -hmm. why are we not picturing? And I'm just, this is off yeah. the top of my head. So forgive me. No, let's do it. Why isn't it your mom married to your mom? Because those, that's really the couples that, that's really the people that we're trying to yeah. get our needs, like the needs that weren't met. This is what we're trying to do now. I wonder how that would go. So, because if I picture that, I'm thinking, okay, so my ex-husband, if my mom married his mom, mm -hmm. God, that would have been what our marriage would have been kind of like, actually. Right, right. So I guess the reason why I don't go to your mom marrying my mom I don't go there because most of the time people can't see that. Okay. They, you they know, can, yeah. They can't interpret, they can't, they can't, in, they won't give themselves the same grace and they can't see outside of everything that was expected. It's an expectation. Yeah. There's already an expectation when it comes to moms. And I, and when I think it through, it actually, doesn't make sense because what I was marrying was what I didn't get from my mom. Exactly. So that would be the opposite, which would mm -hmm. theoretically be okay. 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 Yep. Okay. Gosh, it's such a, yep. mind, no, that's a great question. Ending exercise really to think about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's a great question though. Hmm. Um, there's, there's so much work. There's so much work to be done 
when we're able to identify everything we've lacked. Mm-hmm. Most of us act like, oh, it's not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. You know, it's fine. I'm even working with kids and I'm working with a few right now that are like, so what that I don't get, get it from my mom. I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to go ahead and find it myself. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. I don't really, I don't, I don't need it from them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm, this is going to be so much fun because me and you are going to be together for like a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, it, it, I, I understand why you, you've numbed it out. I understand why you've made it to where I don't need it because the disappointment you feel every single time you yearn for it and it's not met. Yeah. Feeling you don't know how to process it. So this is the work that we're going to be doing. Yeah. You know? So back with your own mom, you said she was codependent. What kind Mm -hmm. kind of behaviors did she exhibit that you would have said were codependent? Absolutely. So the biggest one is her likes were whatever my dad's likes were. Right. She didn't know who she was. Everything was dependent on his values Mm -hmm. on what he thought life needed to look, their life needed to look like. My mom didn't know that she could give herself permission to live a life outside of my father. I see. She was so busy tending to his needs and finding her identity in, Mm. in, in doing so. Perfect. Perfect. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So that's where she lost herself. Bingo. In, in the relationship. And so you're helping women then to reclaim or find themselves and unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Where's that yeah. come from? What's the unapology about? Well, think about mom guilt. How much yeah. mom guilt do we all have? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I remember for myself when I was on my own journey, it was like, I can work out or I could spend this time with Leah. <laughs> I can go to work or I can a stay-at-home mom with Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. How am I going to do that? Because my husband's leaving my ass. So mm, like there was so much guilt. There mm. was so, so much guilt. Anytime I would come back, you know, from a long days of work when I had to go back to school, I say I had to, Listen, I even say now I had to go back to school because then it would excuse the fact that I wasn't there in her life. Mm, you're not choosing it. You had Bingo. to. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, so it was, I need to apologize I need to apologize to her for not being there. I need to make up for it. I have to make up for it. You know, how dare you? Shame on you, mom. What do you mean you weren't there to play with your daughter? And the worst one was, what do you mean you're writing a paper while while your daughter is laying down falling asleep because that's the only time she's going to get with you and she knows it. That's, that's and you're writing a paper probably about bonding. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I was a psychology major. Yeah, exactly. Why it's important to spend time with your kids. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. The, the consequences <laughs> of not spending time with your kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Here's here are the ways to avoid it. Here are the steps. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's an impossible standard, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. So that's why unapologetic, it was so important that unapologetic was attached to empowered. Yeah. Because I, that, that is the life that I decided to embrace because I had to allow my, that past version that idealized the way I wanted to be perceived. I had to allow that person to die Mm -hmm. because to be honest, she never even really existed. Mm -hmm. She was being phony like no other, Mm. you know? That's interesting. I had really struggled coming up with an identity as a mom. Like, who am I as a mom? 
Mm-hmm. Like it really, like it really baffled me. I knew, I knew more about what I didn't want to be than what I did want to be. And I, and I'm, I'm not sure whether, you know, does everyone go into motherhood like this? Do people have, you know, a false idea of what a good mom looks like, or is it all about landmines and not stepping on one? What do you, what's your take on the whole motherhood? I think it's a adventure. combination. Yeah, I think it's a combination of all of that. You know, one thing I like to say is the minute you become a mother, welcome to the world of comparison. <laughs> right? That's so true. Welcome to the world of comparison. Like you were just initiated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Let's yeah. hope you survive this one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 what society wants me to to you know, motherhood to look like. It's what my mom wants motherhood to look like it's what my grandmother wants motherhood to look like Mm -hmm. my husband you know um what my kids want motherhood to look like because their mom their their friend's mom does this and Mm -hmm. you know mom why don't you do this and you know well my friend's mom is you know her best friend that's awesome because I ain't never going to be her best friend Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's everything and I I think it has a, a I think it has greatly to do with where you're at with your level of confidence. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a heightened level of confidence, and I'm not talking about being cocky, I'm talking about if you know, if you know, you know what, I'm going to be okay. And even if I'm not meeting everybody's expectations, I feel, I feel like this is good. This is good. This is where I feel balanced. And it could Mm -hmm. be balanced in the midst of chaos. Mm -hmm. This is where I feel my version of centered. This is where I feel my version of love mm-hmm. and being an active role in my kids' lives. Mm-hmm. If you can embrace that, mm-hmm. you are golden. You mm-hmm. are golden because it, we're all going to screw up our kids. I mean, I, I say that with all due respect for all moms. I'm a therapist. I've taught parenting classes like no other. And I, I, I'm active, you know, with family therapy, you know, and discussing you know, how to, how to parent a depressed child. I'm doing that all day. And I'm gonna tell you what, I'm going to probably screw up my kids. It's not gonna Mm -hmm. be on purpose. Mm -hmm. As long as I can embrace that. And I'm aware that I'm not perfect and I'm a flawed human being Mm -hmm. that I'm going to go into this motherhood journey, not without a care in the world, the care is going to be there. I'm going to be able to connect with my kid. And that's all that really matters. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be their guide. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and what I'm hearing from you, the way I describe it is a strong core. Like I've got a strong yes. core. I know what I, who I am and what I'm about. I know I'm not perfect. Um, and I'm okay with that. Yes. And I'm going to put yeah. my best foot forward and every day I'm going to try hard. And some days I'm going to fall short and yep. I'm going to get up again tomorrow and do the same thing. Like it's just absolutely like going to keep, keep trucking. That's awesome. That's amazing. So, um, we just had International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm throwing these questions at you blind, just so everybody knows uh, there was no prep for this, but <laughs> so, so good luck. <laughs> um, tell me about, because we're talking a lot about women and empowerment, um, who were your strong female role models? So right off the bat, there's this part of me that wants to go into like Oprah and right. Like Oprah and, you know, another celebrity that I can't even think of her name right now. (laughs) However, my heart, Oh, my heart, my heart tells me my mom. Okay. Here's why. Yeah. My mom, my mom 
had constantly told me over and over and over again, Vero, that's what she calls me, Vero, short for Veronica. Yeah. Know your worth. Know your worth. And for a long time, I had struggled with that because my mom's telling me know your worth, but some girls calling our house asking for my dad. Yeah. But know your worth. Okay. How the hell do I make sense of this? Yeah. How do those things come together? Yeah. My mom just got in a fist fight with some girl that came to our house for my dad. So, hmm. Huh. And I, I struggled because it's like, she didn't model it for me. Yeah. For a while, I struggled with that. One thing I'm starting to realize is, ah, she did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She, she did. She did in her own way. She could have easily said, oh, crap, dad didn't work. So we're really not eating. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a high school education, so I can't help you with your homework. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to look like for you guys. So I'm going to. I'm gonna pray for you. Mm-hmm. And she didn't. Yeah. She went to 7-Eleven, got some candies and sold them. Yeah. Right. She, she needed ended, to be done. She, fi- she figured it out. Yeah. She ended up getting us. Um, our agent was one of the top level agents when we were in commercials. Um, Tracy Gold. Hmm. Um, back in the day, she was big, but we didn't have to pay to have an agent. Like my mom ended up getting us, landing us really, really high, high level agent. We were on we were on auditions all the time and my mom had one car and she didn't have money. So she put it on a credit card. Mm. She figured it out. Mm-hmm. She literally figured it out. So that would be the one person that taught me so much. I just didn't pay attention. Yeah. Right. That's fascinating because it sounds like she was very deferential to your dad, but yet she was scrappy. Hell yeah. She was scrappy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like she got in a fist fight. Like, I'm like yeah, <laughs> kinda, I'm kind of kind of impressed, actually. Not that I condone fighting, like, but but I, you know, I guess it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Love you, Maureen. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So I love the idea. Like when you talk about this, introduce yourself in five years. Um, could you do the same right now? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Five years from now, five years from now, I've actually <laughs> interviewed with Oprah. Have you? Know. Yes. Five years. So from did now, she interview you? Yeah. She totally interviewed me. Yeah. You know, I was going to have her, but nah, she invited. She found me you first. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> totally fair. Right. All right, Oprah. Um, totally in this forest, garden-y like area on a couch doing a full interview with her. Um, Empowered and Unapologetic has taken off to the next level and it has become worldwide. Wow. I'm a world traveler, so I get to go ahead and take my family to all of these speaking events. And at the same time, I'm I'm doing big things with my family, with my family. And I'm totally a present mom. I'm an exceptional mom because I'm (laughs) so connected with them. And I am living unapologetically. Nice. Mm -hmm. Out loud. Out loud. You're out there, man. Yeah. Like Oprah's (laughs) Oprah's, uh, penciling you in. Like, that's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. What's the best advice you've ever had? The best advice I've ever had. Holy moly, that's a great question. Oh, I've had a lot. Ah, gosh, damn, Steve. Okay. 
the best advice I've ever had. <laughs> I knew I'd put you on the spot with this story. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this though. So <laughs> starting out, thanks a lot, Maureen. <clears throat> starting out as a therapist. Okay. This is when I was interning and um, he had given me the assignment. He had told me, okay, in one month, I want you to have five clients that you were able to get by yourself in mm -hmm. one month. I want you, I want you to do that. So I was like, all right, awesome. I have a month. Where the hell am I going to find all these clients? Like, where do yeah. you find clients? Um, am I on a corner? What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I ended up finding 40 clients, hmm. 40 clients. And then he's like, well, Veronica, 40 clients. Hmm. Why not 45? And I was like, oh, damn, Steve, really? So this is going to be a life lesson. <laughs> and what I realized was that although I found all of these clients, right? Mm -hmm. I am in no way, shape or form, God or some higher power, because that's how I was positioning myself. Mm -hmm. He had told me, Veronica, when you're in therapy, I want you to imagine yourself. Because have you ever been to the beach? I was like, yeah, of course. I live in California. Duh. And he's like, you know the sand. And I'm like, yeah, I love the sand. Imagine yourself as the size of one grain of sand mm -hmm. when you're in therapy. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not this God that knows everything and has read all these books and like so powerful and mighty. No, no, you're actually that grain of sand. I'm like, well, that's motivating. <laughs> what do I do with these 40 clients now that just a grain of sand? What I realized was what you've learned and your whole approach to everything is going to get you nowhere. You have to be a human being. You have to humble yourself. And you have to know that you're not gonna be God to everybody. You're not. Mm -hmm. Knowing that going in, I was able to embrace who I really was. Mm -hmm. I was able to really listen to my clients, really connect with their stories. And when they would share things, it would be like, oh, I mean, I might not have been to the road of like severe depression or severe anxiety. I can't, I can't lie and say, yeah, I totally know what you mean, but I have felt that way before. I have felt that, that broken. I have felt, you know, that, that defeated. I have felt that before, which has helped me connect with my clients, mm -hmm. which has helped me with being a real true person sitting across from them, mm -hmm. not this note taker. Mm -hmm. That comes through loud and clear. I love that because it really does come through. Yes, you're an expert and yes, you have a lot of education and professional knowledge and um, credentials backing you up. All of that's true, but you're not sitting on a stack of books. No, you're, you are sitting knee to knee and, and um, opening, opening yourself up and sharing all of yourself. Yeah you know, with, you know, in, in here and here, you know, with your clients and, and that does come through. I mean, I've not seen you practice, but it comes through in the way that you talk about your clients and what you do mm, and, and the time. passion that you have in your, in your podcasting and, uh, and then the community that you're building. So it's really strong. So that's a, that's a fantastic bit of advice, you know, that let's bring it down here a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. You're a player. Mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the drama here, not, 
another mm-hmm. layer, you know? So mm-hmm. that's really good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to something this morning and uh, someone answered a similar question and they said, uh, don't believe everything you think. Ah, yeah. And I, and yeah. I, I, you know, that's the one that's present on my mind and it goes back to, man, so much of the conversations that we've had over the last couple of weeks, just about, you know, being willing to examine yourself and to take the identity that you formed for a very good reason. We've all done it for Mm -hmm. a really good reason Mm -hmm. and to break it down and pull, pull ourselves apart from the story we have about ourselves and willing to a willingness to sort of shatter that and, take a look at what else could be going on and your greatest fears around what could this mean about me? Mm -hmm. I love that. That is, that is, that is the most frightening journey I've been on and the most worthwhile. So powerful. Yeah. And I hear it when you're talking about what you're doing too, like, you know, uh, I'm going to pack up and go. Yeah. Well, that was your option. Yeah. (laughs) I totally get that. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Huh? Um, so what's the one thing that you find yourself when, you know, when you're with clients day in, day out, and then you find yourself like something will come up mm-hmm. repeatedly and you're like, mm-hmm. this is the one thing I, I got to jump on this and I'm, I'm going to dig into that. And I'm going to talk about that. Something that gets under your skin a little bit, something that a soapbox, if you will. What is it for you? The biggest thing that comes up, especially in therapy, is I need permission to live my life. Mm-hmm. My parents haven't given it to me. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my, my you know significant other, like they haven't given it my kids. My kids haven't given it to me yet. But one day, one day it's going to happen. And well, I can't do that. I can't. Well, what are they going to do? You know, and so it's like being able to see it from the other side. It's like, holy shit. We are all capable of living a life unapologetically. All of us, we're all capable. Mm -hmm. It's just the minute we decide, like literally, it's just an active decision. We just make an active choice to live unapologetically. And that could look like whatever the hell you want to look on a couch in the middle of a forest with Oprah. Mm -hmm. Like it can be that. It can definitely be that. If we're willing to just decide, Mm. right? we're willing to just decide no you know what no yeah that's going to be me that that's that's me yeah that's all it takes it doesn't matter education it doesn't matter your financial status what you look like none of that matters like none of it yeah and i've i've seen it i've seen it firsthand with my clients you know where they start with feeling completely defeated completely you know their terms broken they're not you're not broken uneducated, you don't have the right tools. That's all that is. That's mm-hmm. all that is. I'm, you come to the right place. You had the courage. You had the courage to come and see me. Mm-hmm. I, that's more than most people do. Mm-hmm. You're already winning. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, watching them transition from feeling as if they're not worthy, that they have to ask other people for permission all the way down to, oh, hell no. Yep. I did this. And, you know, I left him or I left her. Or matter of fact, our relationship is so much better. I mean, I'm not, I'm not apologizing anymore mm-hmm. to see that transition. You know, it's, it's such a blessing mm-hmm. it's such a blessing. And it, 
it is, it, it's a hundred percent possible. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I get to be a part of everybody's journey and watching all of that happen. Yeah. Makes sense to me. So when people come into you and they're living a life that isn't, isn't serving them yeah, and they're saying that it's because they have to, because, mm-hmm. you know, other people won't like it if they don't and, or they've got a, a story is what I call it, an identity that yeah. is not necessarily true. It's just one that they've accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you jump on that. Yeah. Oh, they, not on my watch. Yeah. Not We're smashing team. that apart. Hell yeah, we are. Hell mm-hmm. yeah, we are. Most, most of my clients come to me because they're all referrals, you know, either their mom, their friend, their doctor, somebody, their school counselor, somebody, one of them have seen me and have been a client themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they already know going in that, yeah, I'm going to challenge you. I've, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many therapists that I've, I've um, provided therapy for that have left my office saying, you know, there's times that I absolutely hate you, Veronica. <laughs> then I go into my car and I write all of my notes because it's like, holy moly, you make me think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And then they hug me and tell me, you know, thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, it's like we all not sub- unconscious. Unconsciously, subconsciously, I'll say imprison ourselves there's mm-hmm. a part of us that does see there's there is hope and we see other people do it we just don't believe that it's possible for us yeah and we create identities it's amazing how we do this and i see you know i i see it in families and i see it in my own too we start to label kids yes when they're young right yes. and they take that on like you're the screwed yes. up one you know you're the clown you're the good child, you know, yeah. you know, and I, and we keep people stuck mm-hmm. in those roles within the family. Yes. Um, and I, I, you know, I look back, you know, Ben's the artist, Ben's the creative one, you know, yeah. you know, Sam's the smart one, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we did this, Ali's going to save the world. She's the compassionate one. Cindy's the hidden one. She's just real. She's just really quiet. And she does mm-hmm. art all that. She does art quietly. She doesn't want to show anybody. What if they don't want to be that? Like, yes, man. So when you're parenting your daughter, um, you have, you have one daughter. I have three, three daughters. When I you're parenting three your, your three daughters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm outnumbered. Me and my husband. And I would imagine. <laughs> I'm totally no, outnumbered. I know what you mean. <laughs> you can feel that scale tip. Eh? You're like, uh oh, oh yeah, you can. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would imagine they're fairly strong characters. Um, mm-hmm. How do you combat that natural tendency to characterize or label them? Um, it, I do struggle with that. I do. I all parents. I believe all parents. Struggle I think, with that, I think we do. It's right? just normal. Yeah. I've my husband and I have done this thing where we've paid attention to what their likes and interests are. And Leah growing up, she used to steal all of my husband's white undershirts <laughs> and she would grab her markers and she would cut and just draw she would strip her Barbies and then she would create their outfits. Mm. And so it was like, oh, okay. And so just kind of watching her, you know, watching what she was doing, listening, listening to what, to what brought her joy. Yeah. 
And then it was, you want to learn how to sew? Mom, yes. Awesome. You're watching Project Runway all day. You know, well, mom doesn't know how to sew. Let's go ahead and call some people who know how to sew. Called yeah. you, there's this place called Joanne's Fabric here. So yeah. it's like, all right, signing you up and paying attention to that and, and feeding that, yes. feeding what she feels like she's absolutely amazing at, feeding that. And then also paying attention, you know, Aubrey, my, my youngest, she would walk around with a little dictionary. She, she could barely walk. She looked like, she looked like Bambi walking, you know, barely walk. But there she was with her little Webster dictionary, couldn't even read. She would carry it around. And as she started to get older, she was, she was really, really intrigued by the law. And I didn't really quite understand it. But there was times she's like, mom, how old do I need to be until I'm out of this car seat? Well, you need to be this age, this weight. Mm, I don't think it's and, mom. I think it's or. No, I, th I think it's and. I think it's and, Aubrey. Let's call Uncle Joe. Let's call Uncle Joe. My Uncle Joe is a cop, was a cop. He retired. Um, let's call Uncle Joe. Okay, so there we are calling Uncle Joe. And yeah, Uncle Joe would correct me. Um, <laughs> but it, and you know, for Aubrey, it was, well, I want to be an attorney. Aubrey's 14. Yeah. And, you know, there were times where she was like, well, I don't want to be an attorney. Mom, you know, but I want to be, you know, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. I want to be an attorney for the White House. Awesome. We're calling the White House. We're going to call them. I can call the White House. Yes, you can call the White House. We're not going to crank call them though. <laughs> you know, so it was Aubrey's, Aubrey's 14. Is that going to mm -hmm. change? Probably. Did it change mm. for Aaliyah? No, she ended up getting accepted to fit him mm. due to COVID. She went, she went elsewhere, but it's just listening. And although I get excited about law school, I get excited about being a fashion designer. And then Brooklyn wants to be an engineer realizing, although you might invest money because it is there, there's investing that it might go a different way. And so mm -hmm. is it your agenda or is it theirs? Because if it's your agenda, you already failed them. Mm -hmm. You already failed them. And so it doesn't matter if they want to be, you know, a freaking brain surgeon. If you keep them on that path and they change their mind and you mm -hmm. force it on them, we're going to be struggling with something way worse, mm -hmm. way worse. Mm -hmm. So listening, listening to my, to answer your question, it's listening to my kids, paying attention to what lights them up. Mm -hmm. It's always, it's not always the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not Brooklyn wants to be an engineer, wanted everything with Legos. She's 10. And then now she's hustling at school. She goes to a private school. Ugh, I hope she doesn't get caught today. Because <laughs> she's so, I'm being honest. She made all of, she makes all of these little contraptions. She made the stress ball and all of these other things. And she has a list. She has a list. I don't know if she's collected money. I pray she hasn't collected money, but she has a list of her friends' names and how much she's going to charge for every item. I really don't think that's allowed at the private school she goes to, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to rat her out. So we'll just see. I'm going to just embrace it. To get her all. trench coat so she can open up. For real. You know, and they're all, all of her items are made from construction paper, tape and staples. I mean, come on, you know, let, let her, let her go. You know, I'll reimburse them their money, but just, that's just awesome. let her. So yes, answer your question. I love it. That's so good. That's so good. I think, yeah, I think for us, um, I, I don't think we were as intentional about it. I think that we, and, and I think that our messaging to who, to our kids about who they were was fairly subtle. Mm -hmm. 
and not even in a, you know, yeah, it wasn't super intentional, but it was, it was there. And I look back and I, and I, and so I see it and I think, man, I hope, I hope someday that you become empowered and unapologetic and stand up and shout. uh, I'm not necessarily that I'm this, you know, or I'm a little bit of that, but I'm also this, and that's good too. So I love the work that you're doing. I love it. Oh, thank you. Oh man. And so you mentioned before we started that you're, you're working on a marriage. um, You're working a lot on marriages and, Mm -hmm. and you're developing a course, some course Mm -hmm. content on conflict and um, communication. Yes. And so when does that launch? So I will be, it's crazy that you asked that because today I actually set a date and it's, I'm like staring at it right now and I'm scared out of my mind. (laughs) Um, So that will launch March 29th. Okay. March 29th. Yeah, it's happening. And I developed a freebie. I I sent you a link, a freebie, um, five mistakes to avoid for a healthy marriage tips from a therapist. All right. All right. I'll I'll look for that. I'm super excited. Super excited. Especially right now. Too many couples are telling me, I don't know why me and my husband were somewhere like roommates and, and, you know, Mm -hmm couple and it's like oh you know let things pass along let things slide for a long time and it happens to all of us yeah for sure us. it's a lot of work man yep. yep and and it's a lot of work to be you in that couplehood like because there is some yes. com- there's some compromise that comes with being part of a couple but not you don't want to compromise to the point that you're losing you yes in that and so how do you mm-hmm. how do you walk that line you know that's a that's such a great thing to help people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. navigate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We definitely go through that and recognizing, um, your needs, your needs to be met, your needs need to be met by you, not your spouse. Yeah. Oh, your spouse. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And then when you can do that, then you can show up as a partner, yes. not a dependent. Yes. Isn't that Bingo. cool? Yeah. Bingo. Absolutely. Or, or a savior, like, you know, as we tend to do, we want to rescue or be rescued. Yeah. Oh God, it's fatiguing to think about it. I'm like, oh, I'm single at the moment. And I'm like, oh man, do I am I really down for all this? It sounds like a, sounds like a lot of work. Okay, well, that is awesome. So I'm gonna put a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes about how to find you. Um, do you do remote counseling? I mean, for us Canucks in Canada, do you do you So I can do coaching. I can't do counseling. I'm only licensed in California. However, I'm currently working on figuring out a way to be licensed in other areas. Cause yeah, there's, there's so many laws and so many restrictions on where we can practice. It it doesn't, it's, I mean, it's not like my knowledge about being a therapist changes just because you're Canadian you know, it's, yeah, that's interesting. However, so even though you're, so you're still practicing in California, even if mm-hmm. you're practicing with me living in Canada. So yeah, well, yeah. So I would have to make sure that my license, my license is accepted in Canada. So I would have to figure out what restrictions there are and make sure that it's in line. It's in line with Canadian law. That's too mm-hmm. bad because I think, I think like that would make sense to me if you came to Canada to practice. I would have to be, yeah, I'd have to be a Canadian licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. What if I came to California as a Canadian and accessed your services there? You would have to be a California resident. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But I could so, provide coaching. But you can do coaching and probably some of this course material can be yes. accessed. And certainly the community is open to. Absolutely. Uh, worldwide, right? Yes. But so impacting on apologetic. Mm-hmm. All of that is worldwide. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. So, but your counseling services can only be done in California to residents of California. Yeah. I could only act as a therapist to those that are residents in California. And so the coaching is different as a therapist, you know, it's diagnoses, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, symptoms based as mm-hmm. a coach, it's more goals, goal oriented. Yeah, we don't make sense really go into childhood trauma or anything like that. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Based. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Once this again, I mean, awesome. I and I went ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding. I <laughs> went all over the map with you. So thank you for being a a, a good sport and playing along because that's absolutely always fun to do. And um, yeah, we'll talk again soon. I am sure. Definitely. Friends, thanks for listening. And if you liked this episode, please be sure to click on the thumbs up below for YouTube and comment. What did you like most? And what do you want to hear more of? I'd love to hear from you. And in case you missed it, the website is maureentowns.com. Bye.